0: It's Wednesday, January 29th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Back at the US Senate, lawmakers are spending the day passing notes to each other and Chief Justice John Roberts is taking them and reading them out loud to the class. Turns out, this is all just part of the very mystifying process that we call impeachment. Also on today's show, someone got their report card, and let's just say there's lots of room for improvement. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by H&R Block. They have upfront transparent pricing, so you know the price before you begin. Yesterday, White House lawyers wrapped up opening arguments in the Senate impeachment trial of President Trump. Now, it's the senator's slash sort of the jury's turn. But remember, this trial is anything but normal. Instead of like a regular trial with 12 jurors randomly selected from a jury pool, this one has all 100 members of the entire Senate. The impeachment trial rules that senators voted on are pretty strict, but senators have skirted those rules. For example, one rule states that senators have to be engaged in the trial from start to finish. You know, like eyes to the front and pay attention. But senators have been seen falling asleep or playing with fidget spinners. One senator was even seen reading a book. And yeah, it's been a long process. I mean, they're not even allowed coffee. Apparently, water and milk are the only options. Seriously, milk? But there are two other big ways in which this Senate jury is different than the juries you may be used to. The first is that now they get to ask questions, and today marks the start of Q&A time. It lasts for 16 hours over two days, and it all starts with a note card. The question note cards that senators fill out almost look like something you'd fill in at grade school to introduce yourself on the first day of class. At the top of the card, it says, 116th Congress, second session. Then it says, United States Senate impeachment trial of the President of the United States. Below that is a line for senators to write their names and sign at the bottom. And then they can tick off a box to indicate if the question is for the President's defense team or for the House managers, aka the House Democrats. The card only has six lines for senators to fill in their questions, so keep them short and sweet. And while the senators fill out their cards, they have to sit quietly at their desk like the good kids up front, write down what they want asked, and then pass up their cards to be delivered to Chief Justice John Roberts, who will then read them out loud, including naming the senator who wrote the card. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. I send a question to the desk. Is the standard for impeachment in the House a lower threshold to meet than the standard for conviction in the Senate? The president's counsel stated that, quote, there is simply no evidence anywhere that President Trump ever linked security assistance to any investigations, end quote. Is that true? As a matter of law, does it matter if there was a quid pro quo? Would you please respond to the answer that was just given by the President's counsel? Would you please respond to the arguments or assertions the House managers just made in response to the previous question? The questions alternate between Republicans and Democrats. Then, depending on who the question is directed to, House Democrats or Trump's lawyers will have five minutes to answer. We should note that there is no limit to how many questions can be asked. During President Clinton's impeachment trial in the 90s, there were over 150. So that's Q&A time. Then, on Friday, senators are expected to have four hours of debate over what has been the big question of the trial, whether or not to extend the trial to allow for more witnesses and evidence. This is the drama. Republicans and Democrats in the Senate have been at odds over whether they should hear from more witnesses, like former National Security Advisor John Bolton, who seems to be itching to talk. Democrats have been pushing to allow witnesses in this trial before there even was a trial. But the rules made it clear the Senate won't even consider that question until after opening arguments. And now it's about that time. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been working behind the scenes to secure enough votes to prevent more witnesses. Right now, it's too early to tell what the majority of senators want to do, but that vote is expected to happen Friday. And if a simple majority agrees to not call more witnesses, then the Senate can wrap up the trial with a two-thirds vote to acquit. But if they do vote to hear from more witnesses, then this journey could continue into next week. Either way, after all of this is over, these senators slash jurors don't just get to pack up and put this whole trial behind them like a normal jury. That's the other thing that makes this different from court TV. They have to try to work together the next day, which after this impeachment drama could be a bit awkward. For more on all things impeachment, you can get your fix over at theskim.com slash news. Coming up, the government just got a report card on its anti-smoking policies. Spoiler alert, someone's going to summer school. That's next. It's tax season, and that means figuring out how to file. If you need help, look to H&R Block. Their no-surprise guarantee means that they're always transparent about pricing, so you don't have to worry about spending more than you meant to. Because who wants to know the price up front? Oh, right, everyone. Plus, they cover you with free audit support and a free mid-year care check. It's better with Block. America, we need to talk. We just got your report card, and it's not good. Today, the American Lung Association released its State of Tobacco Control report. It measures how the government's doing at enacting policies that stop people from dying from smoking. To be fair, the government did pass two classes. One A was for its ad campaigns, ads like this one that they've run for years, from smokers dying of cancer who try to convince people to quit. They can be hard to watch, or here. If you're a smoker, I have a tip for you. Make a video of yourself before all this happens. Yeah, those ads are heavy, but effective. Another A grade the federal government got was for raising the national minimum age for buying tobacco products to 21. In case you missed it, that passed right before winter break and took effect immediately. That's about all the good news to report, because in three other areas, the federal government got two Fs and a D. Here's where the government might need some tutoring. Last year, the Trump administration announced a ban on all flavored e-cigs. But on January 2nd, it watered that rule way down, saying the ban won't apply to anything sold in vape shops. That was one high-profile letdown highlighted in today's report. But most other things the government still hasn't done are playing out behind the scenes, like Medicaid and Medicare only covering certain programs that help people quit smoking, or failing to raise taxes on tobacco to the degree that advocates argue would actually save lives. Thomas Carr is a national policy director at the American Lung Association and says, it's not a coincidence those behind the scenes policies are the ones tobacco lobbyists most want to stop. You can always tell when um, a policy is going to be effective and how hard the tobacco industry will fight against it. All of this matters more because of the skyrocketing popularity of e-cigs, or vaping. For a little reference, e-cig use among high school students has more than doubled in just two years. Even though vaping liquid doesn't contain old-school tobacco, a lot of it does contain nicotine. And that nicotine can get young people addicted, which increases the odds that they pick up more harmful smoking habits later. Considering how much progress there's been in getting kids off cigarettes, these e-cigs are a big problem. Given the uh, kind of drop in youth smoking rates, we're at a historical low of 5.8%. We had the opportunity to make this generation that was coming up the first tobacco-free generation, and unfortunately, vaping has kind of robbed us of that. Bakar says 2020 could be the year things turn around. By March, the FDA will finalize rules for putting more graphic visual warning labels on packs of cigarettes. And by May, the FDA will start doing health tests on all new tobacco products, including e-cigs, before they hit the market. Which should mean products the FDA thinks are too dangerous never reach stores. So unless there's any last-minute surprises, America's grades might look a bit better next semester. Taxes are personal. Life happens, and then suddenly, you've got to tell the government about it. So this year, The Skim is teaming up with H&R Block to learn about how different life updates can affect your taxes. Today, one Skim HQer who spent half a year freelancing before she got this job is here with a thing to know. It's true. In 2019, before I got hired at The Skim, I spent a few months freelancing. I'd heard that contract work meant I'd get deductions on my taxes. But honestly, I didn't really know what that meant. So I went to H&R Block and said, help me. The pro who I worked with asked me lots of questions, like, did I use my home internet? Did I use my living room as an office? Yes and yes. And I was able to write off some of those expenses. So if you do freelance work, here's the thing to know. Deduction. It's when the government lets you subtract some costs from your taxable income. So don't forget to deduct money you spent on things that help you do your job. And if you want more tax tips, head to theskim.com slash let's get personal. Stressed about an upcoming negotiation you have at work? We get it. And our Skim from the Couch guest this week, former New York Times columnist Amanda Hesser, knows what it's like to get nervous about the specifics. As the co-founder and CEO of the food media company Food52, Amanda has had her share of negotiations, including one that involved an $83 million deal. Here's how she remembers to breathe even when things get tense. My best piece of negotiation advice is to have a sense of humor during the process. And don't forget the sort of humanity element. I think that people get very tense and very focused on trying to get what they want. And negotiation is really about you know, a relationship and being and working through something with compromise. And I think bringing a little levity to the situation can often help um, put everyone at ease. And also, I think once everyone is at ease, you think more clearly and more nimbly. The latest episode of Skimmed from the Couch is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.